Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through Ephesians, and in the previous message, I was in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, talking about the works that God prepares beforehand that we should walk in them. And at the end of the previous message, I described two different kinds of works. There are the works of the flesh, and there are the works of the Spirit. Now, just because we consider works to be of the flesh, that doesn't necessarily mean that they are evil. It's just a general term that can be understood in many different ways. The works of the flesh that have to do with establishing or building up a person's pride is not necessarily a good thing, especially as it's related to boasting that was conveyed in chapter 2, verse 9, not of works lest anyone should boast. And those works that people engage in so that they can elevate themselves or increase their personal pride would fit into that category. And even though it may not be related to a person's salvation, still engaging in such things are going to establish and build up a sense of religious pride that is not going to be a positive experience or a positive outcome. But there are many different kinds of works that can be related to the flesh, such as meeting the needs that a person may have. You may encounter someone who has a need for food, shelter, clothing, energy, something like that, in order to sustain their lives or in order to improve their quality of life. And to meet those kinds of needs is not an evil thing to do at all, even though it would fit into the category of works related to the flesh. The hope that most people have when engaging in such things usually has to do with inspiring that person to consider the things of God. Sometimes this does have an effect on a person's life when they experience some kindness or generosity. They may be open to hearing about the gospel. They may be receptive to hearing about their God because, of course, they're not so busy thinking about the basic needs that they personally have. Sometimes this can have a positive effect on a person's life. And how often that sometimes may be, well, it just depends on the circumstances and on the people who are involved in these kinds of activities. But these activities could easily fall into the category of the issues related to the flesh. Or maybe a person may do a good work for someone else and have no intention to communicate spiritual things in any way whatsoever. And this can be just fine as well. We can't pass judgment on a person who is engaged in some work for the benefit of somebody else's flesh and suggest that, well, you know, this is not necessarily a good thing unless we include a gospel message or unless God is referred to in some way. It's easy for people to pass judgment on these things, and I just don't want to encourage that to take place because the works of the flesh may not necessarily be sinful kinds of works. 
Another way to maybe describe the works of the flesh could be related to those things that are temporary in nature, because the flesh is temporary, it's not going to exist forever. Works related to the temporary nature of our lives could be described as works of the flesh. Another way to look at this is to consider that the flesh of a person can also be understood as the emptiness that a person experiences through the emptiness of their spirit. Whereas a person has a need for things like love and acceptance and meaning and purpose, if you were to involve yourself in somebody's life in a way that you may reach out to that person in the context of loving them or being kind to them or accepting them or helping them to have some sense of meaning or purpose in their lives, this could fit into the category of the works of the flesh and not necessarily in a negative way. But in reaching out to a person in this way, it is important for this to be done in a way that this is understood that this is a temporary kind of experience and that the person needs to be encouraged to pursue a knowledge of their God and to have a personal relationship with him, that they were specifically designed by God so that he would meet these deepest needs that are within them. And so at this point, it becomes a work of the Spirit if this is conveyed, if this is expressed in some way by a person or it is encouraged in some way within a person. And even if we don't do these things, the Holy Spirit of God is actively involved in this world and he may speak to this person in the core of their being and remind them that he is alive, that he exists, and that this was a nice thing, it was a good thing. But it's not a permanent kind of thing. It's not an eternal kind of thing. And if this person would like to experience fulfillment in the deepest part of their being in a real and profound and in an everlasting way, then they can experience that with their God. So however these things work out, whether they are of the flesh or they are of the spirit, all I can do is speak about this subject in generalities. And I want you to understand that you can do these things on your own outside of the guidance of your God, and perhaps he will make use of them. Maybe he won't. And that there are times when your God will guide you specifically and encourage you to participate in certain things, which may be works of the flesh or works of the spirit, but you are to be sensitive to him, to his guidance. And of course, we have a God who does not have a communication problem. So the works of the flesh versus the works of the spirit can also be described perhaps as the works that are temporary in nature and those works that are eternal in nature. And these works can work together in order to draw a person closer and closer to their God. Now, of course, I've been speaking about this in generalities. There is no way to really know how these things may exist or how these things may play out. I can only speak about these things in a general context to let you know what exists and what to be cautious of. The rest is between you and the Lord. Instead, what I'd like to focus on in this message is the beginning of verse 10, which says, for we are his workmanship. This is what I like to focus on in this message is the fact that we are his workmanship. And to understand that the work of God is to do a work in people. That is his work. It is to make you 
his workmanship and to make me his workmanship and to make others his workmanship. That is the work that he is primarily involved in. And I say primarily because, of course, I will leave it open-ended to say that he can do lots of other things just fine. But primarily to say his workmanship is to really define the fact that his work in this world has to do with doing a work on the people who are in this world and that this needs to be understood and recognized more than any other works that may potentially exist, whether they are of the flesh or of the spirit or whatever. What is the work that he is doing on or in or within people who are alive in this generation right now in the world that we are a part of. When it comes to this workmanship, you have two different categories. You have the category of salvation, of just making people alive to begin with. And then the second category I would consider to be the workmanship of changing a person into someone better, into someone else into someone who grows and matures and becomes a different person. If they're going to be saved, being saved has to do with being made spiritually alive. If they are then a living person, well, living things grow, living things change. And so the workmanship is not just about how do we get somebody out of hell and into heaven. It's about how to get God out of heaven and into a person so that he can guide and lead them and grow them and mature them and change them, conform them, in effect, to his image over their lifetime. It becomes a living experience as long as we are physically alive in this world. And from what I can tell, it somewhat ends in certain ways when we physically die. But what our life may be like in heaven in terms of growth and change is, of course, unknown. We don't really have enough information to be able to go into that. So I stay focused on what's going on here and now and what may take place in the near future. But this is the workmanship. This is the work that God is doing. And so if you are going to do the works of God, if you're going to be participating in works that God has prepared beforehand for you that you should walk in them, then those works are probably related to the workmanship that he is doing in other people, that he will provide you with opportunities to participate in the work of people's salvation, the work of making people spiritually alive, and also to participate in the work of growing and maturing and changing those who have been made spiritually alive. So those are the two categories. You have the category of bringing people to salvation, and you have the category of what are you going to do in order to help a person grow and mature in the faith after they have been saved. These are the works that God is involved in. And if he is going to allow you to be a participant in these works such that he's going to prepare things for you to do beforehand, then they're probably going to be related to that. And the preparation beforehand doesn't have to mean years or generations before this person was even alive. It doesn't have to mean that or before the foundation of the earth that God created these works for you to walk in. It doesn't have to mean that. For him to prepare a work for you to walk in could take place within an hour 
or in a day, or maybe just a few minutes. God is a living participant in this world, which is filled with what seems like an unlimited number of people who are actively involved in this world, in the lives of other people, and in their own life, they're actively involved in making decisions for themselves all the time. And so God needs to be quite flexible when it comes to preparing works for a person to walk in and to participate in other people's lives without interfering with their personal will, without interfering with their decisions and their decision processes that they engage in when it comes to how they're going to live their daily life. To prepare things well in advance can be much more difficult than preparing things on a short-term basis within just a few minutes or a few hours. So when it comes to these works and the work of God, this is a real active living participation on a daily basis, moment by moment. It is a living experience. And so the first thing that we need to understand is that we are his workmanship. And then the second thing to understand is that he gives us the privilege of participating in his workmanship. But the place we really need to start, of course, is being his workmanship, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. But these good works, more than likely, are going to be related to participating in the workmanship of other people. So the place to start is, of course, with ourselves. And this is related to salvation, that we will be saved, that we will be born again as a child of God, and then we will allow him to do a work within and through us. How will this work be measured? Most people in the Christian world will measure this workmanship by how much sin is reduced in your life. This is what most people would like to believe, that this is why God saved them, And what it means to be a work of God, it means that we are going to reduce the sin in your life. Now, I, of course, would like to encourage a reduction of sin in a person's life. I would not want to discourage that at all. But what I will say is that I don't think that this is the priority of God. I just don't. I don't think that this is the priority of God, that his workmanship has to do with eliminating the sins in our lives. I do believe that his work within us will cause a reduction of sin in our lives, but not as the primary objective, but only as a side effect of what is to be the primary objective. And so I understand that most people in the Christian world are totally consumed with how do we get all of the sin out of a person's life. And there is the belief that this is the workmanship. And if if you want to believe that, then, of course, you're free to do so. I just don't see that, and this is my opportunity to say something, and so I'm just going to say it. I just don't think that that is the real priority. If you were to accomplish that, if you were to get all of the sin out of your life, just to exaggerate the point, and remove all of the sin or get all of the sin out of all the people's lives, those people who are close to you, that are a participant in your life on a regular basis, what are you going to have? You're just going to have a bunch of sinless people And look, I can understand that this can be a little bit more pleasant than having a bunch of sinful people around you. I can appreciate that. But that's only going to last so long. What happens when you die? 
What happens when you're dead? What happens when these people are dead? What happens when their lives are over? What are you going to say? You're going to say, well, look, you know, these people lived a pretty close to sinless life. You know, that was the workmanship of God. How are we going to get them to live their lives until they are physically dead without engaging in so much sin? And look, you know, we managed to make this work in whatever way that this happened. Well, then what do you have? You don't have anything. You have absolutely nothing. Those sins that were never committed or that a person did not deal with or wrestle with or struggle with, most of those things are probably just going to go away once a person physically dies. Now, again, I'm not saying that to minimize the seriousness of those things. I'm just saying that in order to exaggerate the point that we need to be a little bit more focused on what are those things that will remain, not those things that will pass away. What will remain? Your personal relationship with your God, which means how do you relate to your God? What is this relational experience? To what degree do you know your God? If you'd like to measure something, measure that. Measure the degree by which a person really does know their God, not just about them, not as some kind of study of the knowledge of God in the context of what he's done, what he's said. These things are good. They are wonderful, but they are nothing in comparison with really knowing him as a person, knowing his love, knowing his kindness, knowing his acceptance, and seeing the world through his eyes, hearing the world through his ears, having the wisdom and the understanding of your God, knowing him as a person to the extent where somebody could ask you a question like, what do you think God sees here? What do you think God hears by this? What is important to your God? And what are the kinds of things that he is involved in right now? These are some examples that can be used to help define what it might mean in order to really know your God. But the workmanship The working of God in our lives, of course, first to be saved, but then second, that we may grow to know him as a person, to really know him and to understand the way that he relates to us and meets the deepest needs that we have within our being. This is the work of God. We will have opportunities to participate in the work of God which means that these works are going to be related to people increasing in their knowledge and understanding of their God and increasing in their relational encounters and experiences with their God, not with you, but with him and in a personal way. Now, of course, there are limits concerning how far we can participate in these kinds of things. We certainly cannot teach one another to really know him as a person. We may have our personal relationship with our God. We're not going to be able to just give that to somebody else. You know, I can't just go to somebody and say, okay, I've got this personal relationship with God. Now, here, you take it and you go ahead and have it yourself and experience it in the same way that I do. That's just simply not going to happen. There's no way for that to take place. God is not going to allow that. That's not his design. His design is that we may know him personally and individually. And so to participate in the work of knowing him, there are some distinct limitations. 
I find that the greatest opportunity to participate in this way is to testify that we can speak of the God who we know. That is a work of God that God can prepare for us to participate in advance, whereas he may be able to participate in the lives of people and coordinate things in a way that we may encounter a person. We may come in contact with a person. He might arrange what people often refer to as a divine appointment, in a sense, provoke or provide an opportunity so that we can testify of the God who they can get to know. But to get to know him, that's something that each person has to do on their own, individually and personally. There's another way that we can certainly participate, and that is by helping to remove the barriers that people often run into when it comes to really knowing their God. What are these barriers? These barriers are the things that people believe that are not true. And there is no shortage of things that people believe that are not true. We can participate in the workmanship of God by helping people to see those things that they believe that are not true so that they can replace those things with things that are true, so that they can grow to know their God through the truth by setting aside those things that are not true about him and embracing those things that are true about him. This is a real opportunity for us to be a participant in the work of God. He can provide us with a lot of opportunities to speak to others in a way that we can help them make corrections concerning what they believe and what they think so that they might know the truth. The work of God is the revelation of the truth of who he is, what he has done, and what the relationship is between us and our God because of what he has already accomplished on our behalf. When it comes to the work that I am involved in, especially when it comes to producing these radio programs, most of what I do has to do with clearing the barriers that are in the way of people knowing their God. I spend a lot of time talking about those things that are not true so that people can understand that they are not true, and then I will present to them those things that are true with the hope and expectation that if you will believe those things that are true and let go of those things that are not true, well, then those barriers that were keeping you from experiencing the love of God, the acceptance of God, of knowing your God, of hearing from your God, because what is he going to say if you believe a bunch of things that are not true? And he wants to tell you a bunch of things that are true, and he requires you to let go of those things that are not true in order to understand the things that are. This is a lot of work. And so we are his workmanship and he will provide us with opportunities to participate in this work of doing a work in other people's lives. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. The works that he prepares beforehand that we should walk in them are primarily those works related to helping a person grow to know the truth so that they can be set free from the things that they believe that are not true, that are keeping them from knowing their God. And this, of course, is related to not just salvation, but also the growth and maturity of a believer, of a child of God. And I will continue in the next program. 
You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you, man.